All right. So uh, I want to start by saying no matter how hard you try sometimes, some things are just out of your control. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you another Maggie story. This one's not quite as sentimental. Uh, so we're starting to potty train Maggie. She is two. Uh, so the potty half of potty training is easy. It's the, the pooping part that's a little tougher. If you have kids, I don't know what it is. Pooping in a toilet for the first time is traumatic. It is scary. I've seen it firsthand. It's rough. So Maggie will jump up, and she will, she will use the potty. Here she is. Uh, she will use the potty, no problem. But if she feels like she has to poop, she'll, like, freak out. And she'll try and get off the potty so she can poop in her diaper, I guess. That's what she wants to do. But I say, Mags, do you have to, you have to go poopy? And she'll be like, yeah. And so I'll, like, I'll, like hold her on, right? I'll be like, Maggie, you can do this. She's like, no, Daddy, I don't want to poop. And I'm like, you're going to poop. And it's like, if someone else walked in in that moment, it would not look good for me. But I promise it's done in love. But in that moment, I just have so little control over <laughs> what Maggie does or doesn't do on the toilet, right? It is, it is totally out of my control. And I think if, if we were being honest with ourselves, there are a lot of moments in our lives where things are more out of control than we'd like to admit. Um, if we were, being really, if we were being, being really straight about it. And that's because nothing of consequence in our lives can be done on our own. We can't do anything of consequence by ourselves. Anything that is going to have any kind of lasting meaning in our lives has to be done through the work of the Holy Spirit, not just by us. This is true of our salvation. This is true of us uh, trying to lead anyone else to Christ or minister to them. And it's true of the uh, the kingdom here on earth. We can't build God's kingdom without God. And the fruitfulness of this very church right now is so incredibly dependent on whether or not the Holy Spirit is at work within the inner dealings of this church, right? Like we have a pastor search committee right now and they are looking for our, our next lead pastor. And, uh, you know, if they, if they were to just say, uh, you know, we're going to do this without God, it wouldn't work out well. And, and that's not to say that they can just get a list of pastors and put them in a bowl and pick one and say, well, the Holy Spirit's going to bless this, right? We don't have to do the work because he's in it. He's going to do the work. He found the guy. Saying this doesn't exempt us from doing the hard work of ministry, but it certainly means that we can't accomplish anything good uh, without God and without his Holy Spirit. Let me break it down this way. Um, if your life was a movie, you are no longer the leading role in that movie, Right, You are now supporting cast. So if your life was Iron Man, which would be really dope if that was true, uh, you're not Iron Man anymore, right? Who's Iron Man's assistant? His name's Rhodey, right? Uh, Iron Patriot, if you're like really into Marvel. And so you are no longer the point of your own story. You are playing a supporting role. Which, by the way, I, I like ran this by the church staff, and it didn't really bother any of them. But it so bothers me. In Iron Man 1, we had Terrence Howard as Iron Patriot. And then we switched it up with Don Cheadle. Like, is anybody buying Don Cheadle as, I, as, as Iron Patriot? Like, we couldn't find somebody with a little more like Terrence Howard. This is just, it just, it's always bugged me. It doesn't really bug the church staff, but I just had to use my, my time here to just run that by. Like, that, that bugs me. Okay, I digress. The point is, you, the movie is no longer about you, right? It's about God, and you are playing a role in that. Let's switch it. Let's switch it to sports. If you are in Christ then you are no longer the starting point guard, right? You are coming off the bench. You are playing a role on that team. It is not about you anymore. So throwing it over to my childhood right here, MJ and Pippen, right? You are not MJ. You are not taking the last second shot. You are not flushing the ball. You're making the pass. You're getting the assist. That's the point of your life. It's no longer about you. You play a role, and it is about something much, much bigger than you. 
Now, if we're going to accomplish this, if we're going to accomplish this shift in our thinking um, from due to through, it's going it's to take a lot of work because this means we are no longer thinking about what I can do on my own. It means we shift and we now think about what can be done through my, uh, what can be done through the Holy Spirit in my life. And guys, shifting our thinking from do to through, it's one of the hardest things we will ever attempt because it means giving up the reins of your life. And if you're like me, you like to be in control to a fault, you're a control freak. I feel bad for Katie because I try and control and sometimes I nitpick and I'm a jerk, but I just want to control everything. In my ministry, I'm kind of the same way, but I have to give control to God in that. And guys, this shift in thinking from from doing everything ourselves to rather giving up the reins and following someone else, it's not like God is suggesting this and saying this would be a really good idea for you. He's actually saying, I command you to do this. And that's exactly what he does in Luke 9 when Jesus is talking to the disciples about what it takes to be real, to not just be somebody who says I'm going to follow Christ, but on the day of judgment falls away, but to be somebody who's going to be there till the end. And he says, you've got to die to yourself. You've got to pick up your cross. You've got to follow me, right? That key word, follow. If you're in Christ, you're no longer making your own trail. You no longer are making uh, your, your life all about you. You are following someone else in the, in the path that they choose for you, right? This means putting self-trust to death. This means committing to walk the Christian walk and not just talk the Christian talk, which is tough because we love the Christian talk, don't we? We love Christian talk. But walking the walk is something that is so much harder. That's what Christ is calling us to. So this is what I want to discuss today. I want to talk about this shift from do to through. First, I want to break down the futility of the do mentality. Okay, this false narrative, this lie that we tell ourselves that says nothing is going to get done unless I do it. Nothing's going to get done right or last unless I take care of every detail. I feed myself that lie all the time. That's the do mentality. And we're going we're gonna to talk about the power that is available to us through, through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We allow him to work through us um, what is possible. What can happen in us when we work in concert with the Holy Spirit? instead of jockeying with him for control of our lives. So let's start with this do mentality. Uh, let's unpack this. The do mentality is rooted in a distrust in God, right? We say, God, I don't trust you to be good in my life, so I'm gonna create goodness on my own, right? We say, God, I don't trust you to be as wise as you say you are, so I'm gonna go over here, I'm gonna brainstorm my own solution to this problem, right? God, I don't believe you to be as capable as you say you are in this situation because I'm really close to it and I know it really well. So I'm going to do my own thing and, and, and God, I just feel like I have this one without you. Guys, this kind of thinking is poisonous to us. It's poisonous, but, but by, by no means is it new because it was the very first mistake that was ever made by Adam and Eve in the garden and it set them up for a life of pain and actually death. And their lives were the first ever proof that the do mentality never, ever improves our lives. I know it feels like it's going to in the moment, but the do mentality never improves our lives. It actually always worsens it. And so I want to talk briefly about three ways that our lives get worse when we, when we allow this do mentality to control us. So number one, the do mentality makes us ineffective because it cuts us off from our true power source. I want to go to Zechariah 4 really quickly. Um, and I'll just fly over this, but in Zechariah 4, the Lord is talking to his servant, Zerubbabel. And Zerubbabel is asking God how the temple is going to be rebuilt in Israel. And God gives him this response. He says, Zerubbabel, it's going to happen not by might or by power, but by my spirit. He says, it doesn't matter if you get all 
the best stone workers and the strongest men together in Israel. It doesn't matter if you get the smartest guys and the right budget and the right amount of money together on this project. If my spirit's not in it, it's not going to work. It's not about your strength or might or power or, or, or brainstorming sessions. It's about if I'm in it or not, right? And this is true of you too. If, if you are building a business, if you are building a name in the community, if you are building a little nest egg to retire with, those are all good things, but just realize if God's spirit is not in it, if he has not blessed it and it's not under the blessing of the Holy Spirit, it's not, it's not going to sustain you. It's not something that, that God wants for you. It's not going to be good for you. Um, I'm a youth pastor at this church, and so as a youth pastor, it's my goal and the goal of my volunteer staff that we would see students come to know Jesus and walk with him, and once they leave our group, remain strong in him, right? That's, that's our goal. And so in the name of that, we do a lot of different things that we wouldn't normally do to try and win students to Christ, right? So if that means, like the Metzgers, hosting students to your home once a week and feeding them and playing games with them and, and sharing a, a, a Bible message with them, that's what, that's what we'll do, right? If it means going on a winter retreat and playing Mario Kart till 2 in the morning and hating yourself when you get up at 7 in the morning, then that's what that entails for that specific day. That's what we're going to do, right? Sometimes we take it a little too far, we have an event every year at Venue 12 called Fear Factor. We try and recreate the show where we make students do weird and gross things, and it's kind of enjoyable for leaders sometimes, but sometimes it goes a little far. Like last year, it was bug-themed, so we had kids like eating earthworms, and they were like digging through jars of live crickets for things. It was kind of gross, but like the thing that was really too far was um, we made these gross shakes that students had to drink if they, like, missed a question. And Chrissy Lewis is laughing. She's actually kind of dry heaving because she remembers. But, like, we put uh, sardines in these things. And I, don't, I, I knew sardines were gross, but I didn't know how gross. Like, you, you hit blend on the blender with sardines, and it, like, a smell bomb explodes in the room. <laughs> and it was rough. I mean, we did it on this stage in the whole room. I thought I was going to lose my job because I didn't think the smell would be gone by Sunday. It was so bad. In fact, Beth Ginter, if you're in this room, your blender's never been the same, and I'm really, really sorry about that. I have scrubbed it, and it, I'm sure it still smells like fish because it's just, it's rough. But I say all that to show you that, like, we want to do whatever we can to win these students to Christ. And I say that to say this, that it's really easy for me to think that if I create just the right event or just the right talk, or, or say just the right word to a student, or dress just the right way, or, or am just cool enough, or, or fit in with the kids enough that, that I can somehow win them to Christ. It's so easy for me to think that way. And the truth is that, that that's not true. The truth is really humbling, and it's difficult. And it's that it's not up to me, right? I can do everything I can, but, but I don't have the final say on whether that student knows Christ or not. Because every student that will ever be baptized has one thing in common, and it's not that they met Jordan, it's that they met Jesus, right? It's that they met him. I am not the common denominator, right? Jesus is the common denominator. I am only effective as long as I am aligned with Jesus. Number two, let's keep moving through. The do mentality leaves us frustrated because fruit can grow in our lives when we hand it over to God. It is only what the Holy Spirit chooses to bless in my life that is going to flourish. And that's true for all of us. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 6 and 7, Paul is talking and he says, I, he's talking about the gospel. I planted the seed. Apollos, who is his helper, came and he watered it. 
but God is the one who has to make it grow. Uh, so neither the one who plants or waters is anything, but God is the one who makes things grow. This is so, this is so true in our lives in ministry, and it's so true in farming, right? Like, this is a big farming community. You guys know. I'm getting looks from farmers right now. They're like, yeah, you know it. Like, I thought praying for rain was a joke. It's not. When you're a farmer, there are so many things that are out of your control. You sow the seed. You pour so much money and, and time and effort into this. And it's like there's so many outside uh, things that affect this, right? Soil content, whether your seed is good or not. Machinery breaking down. Animals getting out. Weather, whether it freezes too late or too early. Um, so many things. Katie asked me once, she's like, would you ever, like, want to be a farmer? That'd be, like, kind of fun. And I was like, no, never. It is way too stressful. I would go bald pulling my hair out, worrying, like, my seed's out in the ground. Is it going to grow? Like, there's so many things that you just cannot control. And this is how it is in our lives, too, because much of the fruit in our lives and in our ministries is up to the work of the Holy Spirit, right? We put the seed out there, it's not necessarily up to us whether it grows or not. And I want to make a point to say this this morning. Um, if you are sowing seed into a tough part of your life right now, whether it's a child or a coworker or a family member or a neighbor, if you are trying to be fervent with the gospel and share it and be a light to this person and it's just not taking root, right? I just want to encourage you that it's not up to you that... You don't have the final say. I don't have the final say. And just to be obedient in that and keep doing that and not to beat yourself up if it's not working out. Because it's not you who makes the seed grow. It's God who makes the seed grow. Number three, moving on. Living with the do mentality focuses us on ourselves because it feeds this lie that we brought ourselves to the cross. In Luke 24, it's the perfect example of how dependent we are on God to open our eyes to the gospel. Um, in Luke 24, it's the story of two men walking the road of Emmaus. And these two guys should have been able to objectively see the evidence of Jesus Christ being the Messiah and come to that conclusion on their own. And the fact that they didn't is beautiful because it shows us how reliant we are on Christ. These guys knew the Old Testament. They knew every verse prophesying about the Messiah. They saw the life of Jesus firsthand. They saw the way he was killed. They even knew the tomb was empty. And they're still walking to Emmaus days later saying, you know, I really wish that that guy had been the Messiah. I really wish that had worked out. And the story says that Jesus comes alongside them and he eventually opens their eyes to the gospel to be able to see that he was the Messiah, right? But if anyone should have been able to discern that on their own, just with earthly eyes, ears, and minds, it would have been them. It is not up to us to bring ourselves to the cross. Um, we are so dependent on the Holy Spirit to know what the truth is. In Psalm 119, David writes this. He's, he just begs the Lord to open his eyes so that he could, he could see the wonderful things in God's law. David was so close to God, right? The Bible says he was a man after God's own heart, and it never said that about anyone else. So if David is begging God to open his eyes so that he can see the truth, how much more do we need that, right? We are not good. We cannot objectively see truth and say, oh, that's good. I'm going to follow you, God. We are so dependent on the Holy Spirit to do that in our lives. All right, so that is the do mentality. Um, it leaves us ineffective. It leaves us frustrated and self-centered. None of those are good places to be. But let's just be honest with ourselves for a second. How often are we there? Right? <laughs> like how often 
do we end the day feeling ineffective in some situation in our lives? Like we've tried everything and nothing's working. How often are we in the middle of a situation and we're just so frustrated with it because we don't know what to do and we feel guilty because it's not working? How often are we jockeying with God for control of our lives because we want to constantly make it about us? Big time, right here. So this is the do mentality. I'm afraid that it's alive and well in all of us today. Even though we're followers of Christ, we have this struggle. And so we've talked about that, that one negative aspect, hopefully in an effort to get you to recognize it within yourself. But I want to switch focus. I want to start um, talking about the through mentality, right? I want to talk about this alternative and, and how effective and enjoyable our lives can be if we allow the Holy Spirit to work through us. So let's go quickly through this through mentality and why this is a better option. Number one, when we operate with a through mentality, we are not limited by our own gifts, okay? Let me, let me take us quickly to, to Judges 6. This is specifically 11 through 18 if you want to read it later. In Judges 6, um, Israel is dealing with a problem. It's these people called the Midianites. Israel had formerly defeated the Midianites um, when they were following God. They since turned away. And so the Midianites are now gaining power and they're coming into Israel and they're burning villages and kidnapping people and causing terror. And so Israel is living in total fear of the Midianites at this time, right? So God in Judges 6 comes to his servant Gideon and Gideon is doing something inside that should be done outside. He's threshing wheat, but he's doing it in a building because he's so afraid of these Midianites, right? And so God comes to him and he says, Gideon, I'm going to raise you up and you are going to take out the Midianites. You're the guy. And just like everyone else in the Bible, when God approaches them, he says, sorry, you got the wrong guy. He says, God, I'm from the smallest tribe in Israel, and of that tribe, my family is the smallest, so there's no way that you have the right person here. There's no way that I'm the one that you actually want. I want you to write this down. I don't have it on, on the slides, but this is a good point right here. God's presence is better than your gifts, okay? The presence of God in your situation is so much better than the gifts that he has equipped you with. Inviting him in will accomplish far more than we ever will on our own. Sometimes we believe the opposite of this. We believe that, uh, that we are God's gift to people or, or to a situation, right? Like we see a situation and, and we're just like, you know what? I've got this. I've got all these skills. I'm going to go and I'm going to do this. And I'm going to crush it completely. We think we, we see a certain situation and we have a certain skill set that's just perfect for something. Um, and I want to say that it is true that if you are in Christ, you have been equipped by him. And he has given you spiritual gifts to serve him. But let me tell you this, that when we forget where our power comes from, we begin to measure our own capability by our natural gifts and by the size of our problems. That's a mouthful. Let me say it again. When we forget where our power comes from, we begin to measure our own capacity, our own capability by our natural gifts that we have on our own and by the size of our problems. And that is exactly what Gideon is doing here, right? He forgot who, who he belonged to. And so he's saying, God, I don't have a lot of gifts. I'm from a small family in a small tribe and the Midianites are everywhere, right? That's the size of my problem. So I'm sorry, but my capacity is here. It's not up here, right? This is the do mentality. We begin to say things like, what can I do to fix this? What am I gonna be able to bring to the table to alleviate this situation when in fact, it's not about us. God is better than our gifts. It's not about at all what we bring to the table. It's not about our capacity because when we're in Christ and we allow the Holy Spirit to work through, it, through us, our capacity is raised to his capacity, right? 
Number two, when I live with a through mentality, it is not all up to me, and thank God for that. Um, I had a friend in college. We, we would uh, work at the same summer camp. We were both in ministry. His name was Mike. He loves the Lord a lot. And uh, Mike had a friend named Devin who was in high school. He kind of mentored him a little bit. And Devin had issues with drugs and alcohol and making good choices. Life wasn't very kind to Devin. It kind of set him up for this, this rocky road. But Mike loved Devin, and he, he would always hang out with him and preach the gospel to him and allow him to just be a, a part of his life, right, really disciple him. And I remember Mike would always be so frustrated because Devin would not make a lot of progress in the gospel. I don't even know if he accepted Christ. And Mike just wanted Devin to love Jesus so much. And we were both really young, and I don't think we fully grasped at that point that it wasn't up to us. We still had this mentality that, like, if we work hard, and if we put enough time in, it's going to happen, and if not, then we're messing up, and so it was really a frustrating time. Jason Hubner gave a really excellent illustration of salvation two weeks ago. If you weren't here, I'll kind of fly over it really quickly. Salvation is like a guy who, who swims out into the ocean and, and starts to drown, and with his last, his last gasping breath before he goes under the water, this, this helicopter zooms in, and a guy grabs him and pulls him out and saves him, right? But the cool thing is that this helicopter, it took off like two or three hours before the guy even got in the water, right? It, it was always going to happen this way. And so God saves us with a plan. It's not, there's no, um, there's no random salvations. It's not like if someone says just the right thing at a certain time, then they're going to be saved. Or if just the right song plays or just the right message is preached, then okay, that person's going to be saved right there. God has planned every salvation long before you or I were on scene, and we can help in that. We can, we can plant the seed and we can water it, right, like Paul said, but, but ultimately, God controls salvation. It's not, it's not up to us. We don't save anyone. We are not the Messiah. Larry Osborne has a great quote. He says, the divine comedy of God is that everyone who has ever lived has had a Messiah complex except for the Messiah, Right? I love that quote. We think it's so up to us to get things done, and it's, it's really not. In 1 Corinthians 1, 12 and 13, Paul is, is dealing with division in the church. And so some people are saying, well, I belong to this guy or this guy or Paul or whoever. And Paul says, was I crucified for you, right? Like, did I save you? Because last I checked, I didn't, right? Were you baptized in my name? Because I don't think that you were. We are all under Christ. It is not Paul who saves, or Apollos, or Jason, or Garen, or you, or me. It's not up to us. It is totally up to the work of the Holy Spirit, because there is one Savior that we are all under. And to be honest, that helps me sleep a lot at night. Number three, last thing about the through mentality. The through mentality allows us to live happier lives, because we now have an accurate view of ourselves, okay? This is telling us that we don't have the right to judge ourselves, okay? The do mentality says you should be able to look at your life and what you've done, and you can judge your life based on that. The through mentality says I am in Christ. I am not my own judge. I am not fit to even judge myself. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 4 when he says, you guys can't judge me. I can't even judge me. Only God can be my judge, right? And that's not, that's not written in the tone of like, I'm a Christian, so no one can judge my actions, right? It's written in the tone of, I am not even fit to judge my own life. Only God can be the perfect judge. And so I just want to say that you don't have the right today to look at sins you've committed, to look at what you think your capacity as a person or a businessman or a mom or dad is, or what your current circumstances are. You don't get to look at those things and, and judge your life. It's not up to you. 
and it's a good thing because a lot of times we're really harsh judges. It's up to God. He is the one who gets to judge us. There's a really great book written all about this called The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. Um, I'm by no means a great reader, but I read it in less than a day. Um, and it's just all about this. It's all about the fact that, that God gives us our identity. And if we can just forget ourselves and, 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 and rest in what he says about us, that our lives are going to be much better. I, I love that book. Um, I try and read it every year. So I recommend that one if you, if you struggle with that. So we have talked about the dangers of the do mentality, right? The futility of that. We've talked about the prosperity of the through mentality and the, the, the blessing that can bring on our lives. And I was thinking of a way to bring this home, and I wasn't sure how to do it. Um, but I think that I want to share a prayer that I recently learned with you at a conference I was at. I was at this conference called Expo, and this speaker named Danielle Strickland came to the stage and just delivered, like, such a knockout talk about the posture of our spiritual lives and how that really controls everything about us. And so um, that's really what we're really aiming for here today is, is posture shift, right? We, we need a posture shift to accomplish due to through. We're not going to be able to give up the do mentality and embrace the through mentality just by willpower, just by trying really hard. I mean, that is the do mentality, right? That wouldn't work. Just by writing yourself notes or saying, I'm going to try really hard at this or this situation, no, it's going to take spiritual intervention in our lives. It's going to take a posture shift at the beginning of our day so that we can literally look at our lives with a different lens and be able to see through situations, right, not do situations. So this prayer that I want to go through with you has helped me do that. Um, I have, I've prayed it a lot of mornings since the conference, and it's just been really good for me. And so I have given it to you on the back of your insert in your bulletin. If you want to take it with you and pray it with you, however often you want to, I encourage you to do that. It's, it's really good, but I want to go through it with you this morning, and I'm not a big, like, okay, let's all get up together and do this thing, and there's hand motions. Like, I'm, I'm the anti-that guy, so if you're having hesitations right now, I totally get it, but let me just say this, that if, if this word from God has struck you and it's something that you want to enact in your life, that this is a really good tool for it. Um, that it's going to help you, and it might feel awkward or unnatural, but it's going to be really good. And so I just invite you to do it with me. So if you guys would, would humor me, I want to do this, and then I will pray to close us out here. So if you would stand with me. I know we're not a big stand church, but you guys love me, so you're going to stand, and I love you. So here's what I want to do. I just want you guys to do what I do um, and say what I say. And so... Uh, this is how we'll do it. So this is all about posture shift. So first, um, we're going to hold our hands just like this, like we're making fists, right? So repeat after me. I confess that my natural posture is to try to make something happen. But I choose a posture of surrender over to you, God. For this next one, we're going to just hold our hands close like this, right? I confess that my natural posture is to take, and it's to keep. But I choose a generous posture. Freely I have received, and freely I give. For this last one, we're going to cross our arms like this. We say, I confess... That my natural posture is to critique 
It's to spectate and it's to say, that's not my problem. But I choose a posture of mission. I am open to the needs of those around me. Use me, God. Let me close us. Father God, thank you so much for this time. God, I pray against the do mentality in my life and in these people's lives, God, that we would not be people that think we can accomplish things on our own, God. I know that's our default is to rely on our strengths. But God, I just pray for total reliance on your Holy Spirit. God, in every situation of our lives, I pray for people who are really trying hard to, to sow seed into a situation right now and it's, it's just frustrating or we feel ineffective, God. God, just be in that situation. Remind them that you are the one who brings about salvation and that every situation is totally and completely in your hands. Lord, I pray for this church as we go this, this week. I just pray that we would be instruments for your use, God. We love you and we ask for your blessing this week. Lord, we pray this all in your son's name. Amen.